break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. Yeah, Shaq bet me 10000 to do it because I was talking trash. There we go. Thank you, Nerd. Shaq bet me 10000 right. That's the truth. So I decided yeah, that I'm... There's the truth. There you go. Did you get the money? No. There you go. All right, everyone. After what seems like forever, and I can't even remember the last time we've done one of these, we are back on the Ball Street Journal podcast. We have me and Nishant here today. Nishant, what's Yo, going on? what's going on, man? Long time. <laughs> and just a quick life update. We're now able to do these podcasts in person because me and Nishant are roommates now. And it's our first podcast where one of us is not on the phone and trying to record each other's audio. So we're finally right sitting right next to each other and recording this podcast. And we're what now three weeks into this NBA season? About like every team's played between like nine and ten games. Um we figured we'll just start talking about some teams. I think, Nashawn, you already have a team that you wanted to get some hot takes out, right? Yeah, man. So the, when the year started, we were talking to Sandeep, <laughs> who's our resident uh, Nets lover. And um, I was telling him, I was like, yo, I think the Nets are going to be worse this year. I mean, they're waiting for KD to come back. I'm confident that once KD's back, they're going to be really nice. But I was like, you know, the one thing I've noticed about Kyrie is when he's not had another potent superstar who's better than him he's been a negative for the team he is a ball stopper his shot selection becomes questionable don't get me wrong he can win you games at the end but um, I'm, I'm really worried about the Nets the Nets were fun last year because it seemed like everyone was on the same level you know D'Angelo was the guy for a little while Levert was the guy for a little while but like the whole team was gelling together dancing on the sidelines and I just feel like Kyrie kind of threw a wrench in that and right now he's sort of alone I know DeAndre Jordan is there but I'm kind of worried about the Nets and we can see it already what are they four and six so far yeah and I mean it's not looking great because now Karis LeVert just got hurt he's gonna miss probably four to six weeks because he tore a ligament in his thumb had to have surgery but I think this is always a Kyrie conundrum where Boston faced it too and you see like how great Boston's doing now best record in the league nine and one where he's got great individual talent, individual brilliance, but you find that the team success may not always be there with him. And that's the kind of sacrifice the Nets decided to make when they said, we'll get rid of D'Angelo, we're going to bring in KD and Kyrie, disrupt whatever they had last year. And I think it's it's taken a toll for sure on his teammates, even though outwardly everyone is supportive. But no matter what, when you're on the court, someone's just constantly just dribbling and like, holding a ball and other people aren't touching it as much it affects and the other thing I never liked about the Nets offseason is signing DeAndre Jordan when they had Jared Allen in place they just wasted like 10 million dollars a year I think signing Jordan I mean it was part of I'm sure like the deal like if you want me and KD like you're gonna have to sign DeAndre Jordan but yeah this Nets team just doesn't have like that same cohesiveness that they did last year maybe they'll find it but not off to a great start for sure and then the worst thing is I feel like Atkinson was doing an amazing job player development for the young guys, you know. Um, Levert was getting his time in. I know Dimwitty's a little bit older, but, you know, sort of was coming into his own. Kuroks was doing well last year. Jared Allen was sort of getting into his groove. And I feel like all those guys are sort of taking a step back. It's 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 kind of similar to what happened with the Lakers, um, young, young prospects, uh, when they first got LeBron before they traded all of them to New Orleans. Um, and... It's, it's a little bit sad to see that these these talents are getting wasted. 
especially because I feel like the first like three or four years of your career define who you're going to be in the NBA. And these guys were trending upwards, and now I don't know what's going to become of these guys. Me neither. I mean, yeah, it's you have uh, you have Levert now. You don't know what's going to happen, and they don't have too many young guys. I mean, they just. <laughs> I was laughing the other day when they I saw that they signed him on Shumpert. Like, I didn't even know he was still out there, like, still playing NBA basketball. Um, the Wilson Chandler suspension, I think, did hurt them. They, they were kind of short on depth this year. And that 25-game PED suspension. Just as an aside, all these PED suspensions in the NBA. Like, the NBA is becoming the MLB with all these PED uh, suspensions all of a sudden. But um, that Wilson Chandler suspension definitely hurt them. It's... I mean, they could turn it around. I mean, we... We saw last year they were kind of on this. They did start slow. They I believe at one point the Nets were 11 and 19, and then they kind of turned it around. So, not saying it's completely out of the round, but I think we just expected a stronger start, and for the Nets to kind of continue what they did last year. But you know, th- this this year they always have the excuse that we don't have KD and judge us on next year. So they always have that inbuilt excuse this year. Yeah, I mean that's what they're desperately desperately waiting for. I sort of want to go back to that PED conversation because that's something I wanted to talk about. You know, between um, load management, player injuries, especially non-contact injuries, and PED use, I wonder if the game is just getting too fast, um, if that makes any sense. I mean, I feel like these guys feel like they can't keep up. Some of these uh, older guys like LeBron pay millions and millions of dollars to have guys that give them a good diet, exercise with them, keep their bodies up. and. Let's be honest, some of these guys are probably slacking a little bit in the offseason and trying to use these PEDs to try to catch up. And I, I hope it doesn't become like the MLB, but I'm kind of worried about the sport in general. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird to like we saw. I mean, and it's pretty, it's a lot of young players too. John Collins, DeAndre Ayton. Like, I know Wilson Chandler, you're thinking, okay, maybe an older guy. But between Collins, I mean, sorry, yeah, John Collins and Ayton. These are two of the younger players in our league and very talented. And it's they're missing 25 games each, and it's just sad. Like that's more than that's like more than a quarter of the season that they're gonna miss now. And both exciting teams too, like on the, the Hawks and the Suns, that we thought like they actually look kind of good and had exciting prospects. So it's just sad to see these players. You know, I mean, you can never get the full story from these players. They'll always tell you, like, you know, I made a mistake, like I didn't know I took it, and I think that's the story we always get. So we'll never understand like the motivation behind why they did what they did. But I mean, I, I wonder if some of this factors into. I remember that great Kevin Love piece about anxiety and loneliness and feeling like you're not good enough in in the NBA. And I feel like you know with these young guys, is part of it that they wanted to come in and be great impact players. And both of those guys have been wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but you know they're both on a team with a guy that's better than them John Collins is Trey Young there who sort of took over the reins even though Trey Young is a little bit younger and Aiton's got uh, Devin Booker and so I wonder if this is this was their attempt to like quench some of their like mental anxiety about who they are in the league and trying to take that next step and not be that fall guy for like you know oh Booker is so good but Aiton is the reason why they're not doing good it's it's really sad and uh, I think it's something that we need to talk a little bit more openly about, like the mental wellness portion of the NBA and how that helps determine some of the decisions that player make, whether it's in free agency or things like this. That you know, I'm not saying that this is the reason why they did their PEDs, but I can't imagine that it didn't at least um, 
kind of affect them because they want to stay relevant. They want to make the big bucks. Those guys are still young, looking for their next big contract. And so, is that playing into it? It could. I mean, very well could. I mean, any rookie on his rookie deal is trying to get that max extension. So, you know, but it'll be interesting to see if we get any more suspensions this throughout this year and like what players do.、Um, but I guess the next team that I just kind of wanted to bring up was the Trailblazers. So this is a team they made the conference finals last year, and we thought, all right, like the first time I think since the 2000s or early 2000s that they made a conference finals. I mean, they got swept, which wasn't <laughs> great for them. But their offseason also kind of was confusing to me because they said they don't really care about continuity based on the moves that they made when they got rid of Aminu and Harkless, and their replacements was,、uh, and they also got rid of Evan Turner. So they brought in Bazemore, Hazonia, Hassan Whiteside, which is also confusing. Maybe that was their version of saying this is our bridge to Nurkic, or till Nurkic comes back. But their results haven't been great. They're four and seven, but just some terrible losses. They lost to the Kings the other night without Fox and Bagley, which wasn't great. They lost yesterday to the Raptors、um, at, at home too, without and the Raptors were without Ibaka and Lowry. Well, granted, I mean the Raptors also beat the Lakers on the road the other night, so. Maybe the Raptors are really good, but that Kings loss was like very worrisome for me. Yeah, I, I I wonder if they're having a little bit of what the Rockets had last year when they lost, you know, some of their pillars of defense. You're kind of seeing it now.、Uh, John Collins,、uh, sorry, Zach, Zach Collins. Oh yeah, that injury. Zach Collins' injury、yeah. sort of took him a step back.、Uh, Hassan Whiteside, as good as he is with his numbers, he's kind of a minus defender. I mean, he's always <laughs> just like. He's kind of like what Russ is on defense, like、he'll、always looking for those blocks. Yeah, but, he'll do the weak side blocks, but he'll like individually defend. Defense is not that great for him. Yeah, and then you know they got like you were saying they got rid of rid of Harkless and Aminu. I feel like that's really what's missing, especially when you have a backcourt of Dame and CJ who really can't because of their size be locked down defenders. I mean, it's not necessarily due to a lack of effort, but when you take away those uh, uh, those uh, wing defenders that can help very easily. Um, I feel like that's what happens, and that's what happened to the Rockets last year. You know, in the beginning of the year, they went to this abysmal defense because they lost Trevor Reza,、uh, and so that I, I, I mean, what what needs to happen is Dame needs to put up forty points a game, like、uh, like Harden had to do in order for them to stay relevant.、Uh, otherwise, they're going to fall out of the playoff picture quickly, and you know, we're going to say that Dame is looking for something new because. This might be it. I mean, unless they move CJ or move Dame, this might be the end of the Portland Trailblazers that we've seen for the last five years. Yeah, I mean, the only exciting part about their team so far has been Anthony Simons, who's actually looked pretty good. But other other than that, I I mean, in terms of their cap situation, at least they have the expiring contracts. With Whiteside is going to be off the books, Bazemore is going to be off the books, so they do have like some money coming off. Right now, they have the second highest payroll, so at least they'll have some money coming off of their books. But Yeah, I think like you said, they kind of locked into this Damon CJ core, and unless they move one of them, but it's maybe they. Yeah, I think they might have just reached their potential or their max potential last year, where they just had like the perfect circumstances, and it's I don't know. I don't think it's gonna really work out for them. I think there's a chance they actually don't make the playoffs this year. But wow, that's I mean that'd be that'd be that'd be big because I think everyone in the preseason projections had. You know Portland at the very least, like number five. Yeah. Because、um, they were one of the teams, you know, with a lot of flux in the Western Conference. They were one of the teams that sort of were the stable team for the most part. Their core had been together. If you consider that their core is Nurkic, CJ, and Dame, but you can see that 
just uh, you can't take for granted those, uh, you know, four, five, six on your team. I think uh, people always talk about the big three, but sometimes you need that fourth guy or that fifth guy who knows their role and who does the things that the other guys aren't good at. Yeah. Um, and once you lose that, if you don't, if you don't keep that, and once you lose that, you truly lose some of the identity of your team. I agree. Um, was you got another team you want to talk about? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Suns. The Suns. All right. I wanted to talk about them for a couple of reasons. One, I've been I've been pretty surprised at how they've done. <laughs> and you know, without Aiton. <laughs> without Aiton, hopefully Aiton is actually not a minus for them because when he comes back, we're gonna get to see how they. But the thing is, they're playing such great basketball. I mean. You know, Devin Booker is the guy that's leading them day in and day out, but their starting lineup is pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, I think what what Devin Booker needed was a guy like Rubio to be there to make sure that he gets those rests on offense. Um, those, so he doesn't everything doesn't need to run through him, and and the coaching change made such a big difference. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, you know, I hope. It looks like the Knicks are going to be getting rid of Fizz. But I hope that the next coach can instill this kind of like harmony in players because they're definitely playing above their, you know, overall team value um, at what each player can bring. They're playing good. They're assisting on a lot of their plays. The ball is moving around. They kind of remind me of the Nets from last year. Yeah, I mean, I love what Monty Williams has done. I think this is why they really wanted to hire him because he's kind of, more than an X's and O's coach, I think he was always uh, programmed or built. His reputation was that he was a culture setter. And you could see that. He's definitely brought that to Phoenix. And, I mean, they did. You still have to say they did kind of screw up the offseason because they traded away Josh Jackson. But they attached a draft pick to get rid of him and when they could have just, like, stretched him or yeah. something like that on his rookie deal. I don't think they needed to attach a draft pick to get rid of uh Josh Jackson. I let's still... just let's just talk about how much of a bust he's been, man. <laughs> yeah. This guy is all I, I, the intangibles. Does he even play for Memphis? I don't think he does. No, they they have him. They relegated him to I think the G League or even <laughs> or they might not even be letting him play for the G League. His like his off court issues are just becoming such a pain. Yeah, and I think the Cam Johnson pick at number ten is still confusing to me. Where they traded out of like number four to for Dario Saric and the 10th pick and Saric just looked good but the 10th pick I think they could have done better than Cam Johnson and they traded away Ty Warren like they made some confusing deals but I think overall what they did was they brought in some veterans which is good and Aaron Baines seems to be like their MVP right now I think there was a a stat where in one of the games on every single offensive possession that Baines was in the game he set a screen which is just crazy like on ball off ball and that dude just sets like some of the meanest screens. Um, he's a great screen setter, which frees up guys like Booker off the ball. Um, great point about Rubio. I think this is the first time he's had someone that he could kind of give up the ball to and kind of focus his energy on just all playing off the ball, kind of what he did at Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, when he's playing like off of Cat. And it's been great for Booker. And then they have like these guys like Ubre and um, Mikel Bridges. And like they just have like good Tyler Johnson's actually look pretty good for them coming off the bench. But yeah, it's great job by Monty Williams what he's pulled out of this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm just surprised at how, uh, how they've been producing over their skill set. And it's exciting. I mean, there's young teams. Um, I, I don't know if we want to pivot to the next team that I'm really excited about, but. Yeah, let's do uh, it. The Hawks, man. <laughs> um, I sure. Yeah, this guy, I mean, 
think about it think about this just last year in the preseason everyone was so down on him <laughs> yeah because they were like oh he can't buy a he already shot. had the bus label <laughs> and i think we were talking about how it's not really his shooting that's going to get it done it's his passing and it's his uncanny skill to get the ball to the player when they're least expecting it and that's sort of what's been happening for him over the last two years and now he seems like he's finally getting comfortable with shooting like in the nba yeah and you can't tell what he's gonna do he's is he gonna come up and like pop just it. pop a three <laughs> yeah. is he gonna break somebody down? I mean, he's got a small body frame but he has a knack of getting to the basket and he's just got like this swagger about him like that's kind of borderline cocky but still like he he's like fully it's more of just like he's fully confident in himself now after a season in the nba and i think he met he talked about this in an interview where he's not worrying about like how an NBA schedule works and like just all those rookie stuff that you have to kind of adjust to dealing with the NBA. And he's just purely focused on like the basketball stuff. And you could tell that he's like, I mean, if it wasn't for Luca looking as good as he has, you know, you could definitely be, you could probably label Trey as the most exciting second year player. But it's, I mean, that trade is going to be one of those all time trades that. Everyone said like, "Oh man, I th- I still think Luca's a better player now, but you can't fault the Hawks. Like Trace look like equally as good. I mean, and they traded down and got an additional pick for it, right? So right. Like, if you uh, if you think about it that way, I mean, Trey Young, who and that probably, pick was Cam Reddish, so and that we, was Cam Reddish. I mean, yeah. who's who's looked a little bit suspect this year so far. <laughs> the guy doesn't really know what he's doing on the court, but if he gets his shit together, um, I, I I think the Hawks." The Hawks are what teams should aspire to be in that they take risks. They took risks to get the talents that they believed in. And they have a system that's built for these players to have the ability to grow their skill set without sort of having this. I think every year you get teams that grab the same same type of player every single year, year in, year out. These guys that maybe need to need the ball but it's it's those teams that find pieces that fit together well that really succeed. And I think that's what the Hawks have done through the draft, which is tough to do. Because sometimes you take the less talented player, quote-unquote, uh, with the higher draft pick to get the guy who culturally fits. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I think their GM, Travis Schlank, came from uh, the Warriors. And you could tell he did, there were certain types of players that he wanted to draft. And he kind of wanted that Golden State mold where he kind of found his Stephen Trey, the Klay Thompson mold with Kevin Herter, the Draymond kind of player with like John Collins and just build everything around that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the Hawks are super exciting. I can't wait to see what their year, even maybe this year they could be a playoff team, but in like a couple of years where Trey's going to, I think he's going to be a, he's going to be like a regular all-star player like in next by next year or in two years. And if they can get maybe... They may even be a free agent player, like once they these guys develop and they maybe free agents are attracted to that team. But yeah. um, I guess the team I wanted to talk about was the Sixers. Uh, they they were off to a five and zero start, then they had some losses on their West Coast trip. They had a brutal loss last night to the Grizzlies. Um, it's been kind of disjointed because of the Embiid fight with Cat, that suspension. Then Simmons got hurt with the shoulder. But man, the Sixers three-point shooting is brutal. Like I think so bad. I think they're 29th or maybe they're 30th now. They're three-point, which is what we all suspected because they lost JJ Redick and, and so, Butler, who was not a great three-point shooter, but at yeah. least was. I mean, he's not Ben Simmons, who's taken 
Wait, can I just what talk about all the off-season shots? That he <laughs> what was happened to that? Ben Simmons was gonna take more threes. Like, what happened to that? Like, I haven't even seen that. Markel Fultz was taking more threes than Ben Simmons. Like, that's oh how bad God. it is. <laughs> um, yeah, what happened to Simmons was supposed to shoot more threes. Now, like, it's they. I think their record's maybe six and four, but they're. Yeah, I mean, they. If you look at their team, it's great, but and they play great defense. Man, their offense is brutal. Like they just scratched out a lucky win against the Cavs the other yeah. night. Like this is Oh, the Cavs do look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do. But still at home, they should not be struggling against the Cavs. But yeah, what do you what do you think about the Sixers uh, prospects? Do they need to make a trade eventually? I mean, I'm kind of surprised at how much of a, of a step back Tobias Harris has taken. I I think that I don't know if it was because when he was in the Clippers, everything sort of ran through him and now things run through Simmons and Embiid, but like he's so passive. He's he's their best offensive uh, perimeter player. I mean, Embiid's probably their best offensive player, but he's their best offensive perimeter player. And I feel like he goes minutes, if not quarters, <laughs> and like you forget that he's on the court. Yeah. He's not a plus, he's not a plus defender. So if he's not a contributing on offense, I mean, why is he there? And yeah. they really got to fix something about the way that they're running their offense. I mean. I think the one thing that they're going to miss a lot, they, I, you can already see it, in all their closed games, they're missing Butler a lot because they don't. Ha- Embiid can't be the guy that they can just throw the ball to to get a bucket. Clearly, Ben Simmons can't be that guy because he's hesitant to take any shots <laughs> outside of you know five feet. Yeah. And if Tobias Harris isn't being fed, and Josh but, Richardson doesn't look like he's ready for that yet, they, and, we thought he could be that guy, but he doesn't look like he's ready for that yet. It, yeah, and I and the, my worry is that unless they're blowing out teams, all their closed games, they're gonna. They're going to lose because they don't have that guy that can execute. Yeah. I think that was always the risk with losing Butler. And we're still not sure if kind of Butler wanted to be more of the man. And that's why he went to Miami or if the Sixers didn't want to pay him. And that's why he left. We'll never know that. But I think that's... I agree. Like, that's who they're missing. Um, they're missing that closer where in the last five minutes, they could just give him the ball. Because Simmons, yeah, he doesn't shoot. And Embiid, the risk is always that... Maybe he by the end of the game he's wearing down because his fitness isn't great, and so they, it's yeah. I mean, they, you look at their team and they're just so big. And then they nailed this draft pick with Matisse Thybulle. Oh like, my god, <laughs> he looks like he looks like the second coming of Gary Payton as a defender, man. Like that guy, uh, obviously deep. bigger than Gary Payton. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. like in terms of just like this suffocating defense from a single guy, I I don't know. I don't know how they found him, and I think he's hopefully he be- develops somewhat of an offensive game. Yeah. So that that way he can like not just be the next, you know, you you always worry that is he going to be the next, you know, Tony Allen or something like that, where like he's a minus offensive player so much that even if he's a plus defender, he can't stay on the court. And yeah, it's we'll see their defense. Uh, I think their defense is going to be their calling card the whole season, but. We'll have to kind of see how their offense progresses. Um, any other teams you wanted to hit on? Um, I guess since we're here in the last couple minutes, so we could talk about the Knicks. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to bring it up, but I didn't know if it was too soon. <laughs> you know, this is this pattern. You see, you see it in all bad franchises across sports, right? This pattern of you hire somebody, you have. Uh, an alignment towards what you want to get towards, right? The whole idea when they got Fizdale was, you know, he's a good recruiter, he's a good talent evaluator, he's a good person that can uh, help develop players. 
And just like their past coaches in the last decade, you see the same thing over and over again. They're just too impatient <laughs> for good things to happen to them. Yeah. I mean, they sold out last year so that they could have the potential promise of Kyrie and KD. And I don't blame them for that. You know, that's at the time it was the right move. I think if KP wanted to leave, um, which it sounded like, I think what they did was fine. I'm not upset about what happened then. I'm just so, so, so tired of just them not sticking with the script. Like, it's okay to suck, but suck for a reason, right? The Sixers <laughs> did it for a long time. They sucked for a reason. Yeah. Suck for a reason, keep the coach, build the culture. Clearly the players are behind this guy in Fizz. And I'm, I'm so tired of they're just them needing a fall guy. Like, yes, New York fans, including myself, want something good to happen. But also... Changing administration, changing like who's running the team, changing who the coach is, changing the coaching staff, that doesn't make things better. Like when in life have we seen when you change management, things get better? If you, when you change management consistently, things get better. Right, right, yeah. It doesn't happen like that. That's, that's the, the struggle of the Knicks is that as long as James Dolan is the owner and his impatient ways of them becoming good, that's what's going to stop them from being good is that they can't just wait for their talent to grow. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, like, with this impromptu press conference, apparently Dolan was talking to uh, Mills, like, during halftime. Like he was, and that's why the whole press conference even happened before the coach left the locker room. Uh, it's just sad. I mean, if you look at their team, you, you see who they should focus on. They got RJ, they got Knox, they got Dennis Smith and Frankie, Frankie uh, Smokes, Frank Nielakina, and Mitchell Robinson. Like, they got five, like, kind of core players or young guys that they could develop or, like, focus on. And instead, they spent the offseason signing all these power forwards, which never made sense from the start. Maybe Julius Randle is the one defensible one because he's actually a young player, only 23, 24, coming off like his rookie deal. Like that one was defensible and it was a good contract. It was only two years with a team option for the third. So his contract was defensible, but it made no sense why they signed Portis, Gibson and uh, Marcus Morris. And, you know, that's where you kind of question why the management is blaming the coach when the coach hasn't been given the best team by his management. Even um, though they think that this team was somewhat respectable. Which, yeah. I don't know who... I, you don't have to be an NBA scout. You could be the, <laughs> you know, a normal schmo like me and you to know that the Knicks don't have talent. Yeah. Even in the even in the crappy Eastern Conference, they don't have talent to compete. Exactly. It's okay to lose. Yeah. Lose some games. But develop like these young players that you do have. Like Knox, Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson. That's like a young exciting trio but they're kind of being overshadowed by these veterans that they sign whereas like other times you see like you just let these young guys like let them make their mistakes it's okay to lose maybe get another high pick like this year which is fine and kind of develop like these whoever you get like if it's a lamello ball or like a cole anthony whoever you get that's your point guard of the future and, and the, go from there and the crazy thing is somehow just being in new york city the, the management of the Knicks think that, think that they're going to sign a big free agent. That's what they keep doing, right? Every single year, it's like, you know, the Knicks are going to get this guy or that guy, blah, blah, blah. They always miss. Why not just take a chance and be like, look, we know we're not going to get the best job. Why can't you just start thinking like you're a small market team, right? Like what Atlanta did, right? Yeah. They're, they're in a major city. Atlanta's a big city. Great. Uh, I'll agree that they're not New York or LA or something like that. But clearly the Knicks have shown ineptitude where they're not going to get a big name talent from from free agency. Yeah. And so why not build a team like the Nets did, get that talent, make a buzz about the team, 
and then see if a free agent will come. Stop, stop trying to blow it up every couple of years. Like <laughs> this has been happening since you know the, the early 2000s. You you blow it up every couple of years and it doesn't work. Makes, Just stick it out with the guys that you got. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, I feel bad for Knicks fans. I mean, they they kind of they kind of stick with the team and. <laughs> Somehow, the I mean, they are the most valuable franchise in the world, or in basketball, because they're in New York. But, man, it's just, stick like you said, stick with the plan. I think that's exactly what they got to do. But, um, it was great doing this, man, after a long time, doing a pot again. Yeah, um, man. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Pascal Siakam. I just had to mention this. I just remembered, like, man, this guy is something else. Like, last year, he made, the, he won the most improved player. But he's, like, taking another leap this year. Like, now with that Kawhi, now with that Ibaka and Lowry, you just watch this, and there's, like... It's almost like the leaps that Kawhi was making um, as he was, like, developing. I disagree. I think the leaps that Pascal is making is the leaps that Giannis was making. Wow, so you think it's even, like, bigger leaps? Yeah. I think it's the leaps There's nothing he can't do now. He can make pull-up threes, spot-up threes. He can post up. He's got, like, the mid-range game, and then, like, he's always got the defense... And like flying around the court, like <laughs> this guy's a complete player. Like he's an all star. Like you're, you look at this guy and you're like, he's definitely top ten, top fifteen now. Yeah, he's not just an all star. He's a superstar. He's a franchise <laughs> cornerstone. Yeah, is what he yeah. Is. He's proving that he's worth that max deal. It's just, I don't know. I just had to like give him a shout out. Like I did not think this guy was capable of the things he's doing right now. Like I remember a couple years ago, that year 2018 playoffs, like LeBron just like schooled him in the playoffs. I was like, all right, like this guy's good, but he's not like. I didn't see this from him. <laughs> yeah, man. I think uh, as much as Toronto is going to miss having, you know, Kawhi there, Kawhi is obviously probably the best player in the league right now, uh, arguably. Um, but Pascal, man, he's he's a guy who's added something to his, his repertoire every year, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what the, the Raptors sort of build around him. Uh, he's hungry. They're hungry. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they don't have, uh, the one hap- good thing is they don't have like a, championship like low period you know whatever you want to call it like they still feel hungry to me i don't know about to you yeah i mean between pascal and van vliet hey those two guys are hungry and then they they just keep finding these guys like now i was watching they got this new guy like chris boucher who's looking pretty good and then like they signed ronde hollis jefferson and like they kind of developing him and they just they do a great job i mean shout out to masai for like the job he does there all right, look, this is great. Uh, we're going to sign off on this pod, but hopefully we'll be back soon with another one. All right, later, man.